This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Explosions and thick black smoke creating some tense moments in Surrey this afternoon. Fire broke out at a propane tank recycling facility. Our Jennifer Palma is there tonight. Jen, this also shut down the highway for a time. What's the latest from there? Well, I can tell you the highway is now reopened and free-flowing, which is a very different scenario from earlier today when people said that they saw propane tanks become projectiles. Holy Look at that. Explosions and thick black smoke rises above Highway 17 around 1.30 this afternoon, bringing traffic to a halt, terrifying those living and working in the surrounding area. Oh, it was scary, yeah, because uh, when your eyelids go like that, like, you know to get out of there. Like, I thought the thing was going to blow my car up. It shook the house, actually, and then I heard all the sirens and ambulances coming down. Giant boom. And then a friend of mine who lives up the hill called me and says, what's the bloody explosion? And he lives like two miles away. That sound is exploding propane tanks. Some witnesses reporting the tanks became projectiles. I was wondering if I could gonna have one land on my roof, but I heard one landed probably quite a few hundred feet away on another uh, industrial area, so. They were flying through the air, definitely. The blaze at Pacific Propane Container Recycling shut down Highway 17 between 104th and 176th for hours as fire crews worked to bring it under control. Well, the propane cylinders, they can, uh, they can explode, do something we call a blevy, and that's extremely dangerous, and that's why it's super, very important for the crews to get water on the propane cylinders as quickly as possible. One person was hurt in the fire. It's not clear if they worked at the shop or were simply in the area. That person was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. And then I seen a guy walk out, all his pants were burnt. That's the guy that went, took him, the ambulance took him away. There was damage to buildings on the site. The cause of the fire is unknown. So there's no update on that person's condition. As far as we know, they are still in hospital. The investigation, though, is underway as to what exactly happened here. Back to you. All right, Jen Palma on the scene. Thank you. New details tonight in the murder of a 28-year-old Belgian tourist. The woman's body found near Boston Bar last month. An Okanagan man now arrested and charged with first-degree murder. John Juan now with what we're learning about the suspect, Sean McKenzie. When police found the body of 28-year-old Amélie Sakelis off the highway near Boston Bar, she wasn't alone. He was at the scene and he was arrested by officers at the scene. Uh, so he was there. Investigators say that man was 27-year-old Sean McKenzie of Oliver, B.C., initially released by police, now back in custody and charged with first-degree murder in the August 22nd death of the Belgian tourist. I can tell you that they had just recently met uh, that day, in fact, and I can't go into further details on that. 
Post on social media show Sakelis was making her way from Penticton to Vancouver, likely hitchhiking on the day she died. A call to police at 7.45 p.m. brought them to the scene, where her body, Mackenzie, and this white astrovan were all found. If you saw Mr. Mackenzie, and if you saw Miss Emily Sakelis, if you saw them together, pick up the phone and call us. Few details are being released about Mackenzie, but police say he has no criminal history and drove extensively across the province for work. A family friend says the crime doesn't match his character. He's always come across like he would never hurt a fly. There is just nothing about his nature would suggest him doing anything like this, ever. McRae pleading with the public not to jump to conclusions until the allegations are proven in court. All I can speak to is his character, and I know Sean that I know wouldn't do that. Still another family so far away in Belgium is also desperate for answers. You can imagine the shock of receiving that news and, you know, made more difficult by the fact that it happened in a foreign land. The pursuit for answers will continue with the man charged in the death of Emily Sekulis due back in court on September 19th. John Hua, Global News. In B.C. Supreme Court, trial began today in a so-called one-punch attack that left a man with permanent brain damage. Grace Key is live outside the courthouse tonight with more on this. Grace, this happened in downtown Vancouver three years ago. Yeah, just on uh, Smythe Street there, and we did hear uh, from the victim today, Joshua Albertson and his wife Nancy, about what all unfolded. The accused in this case, Omed Rudiani, he's been charged with aggravated assault. Now, this all unfolded in the early morning hours of October 2015. The Albertsons were walking downtown to catch a cab home when they came across two groups of men who were arguing over a limo. Now, the victim's wife testified that uh, as she and her husband were crossing the street, he kind of motioned at them for, for them to clear the way. That's when he was pushed and shoved between the two groups, then punched, hitting the ground. His wife saying it sounded like a cantaloupe hitting the pavement. Now, Albertson suffered severe brain injury. Part of his uh, brain tissue had to be removed. He's deaf in the, the left ear. He suffers from seizures. The couple did say they did have a number of drinks that night and were intoxicated. Now, defense did ask Mrs. Albertson if it's possible her husband maybe lost his balance because uh, they were drinking that night and other punches could have been thrown. Now, in the coming days, we're going to hear from other folks as well. That includes a couple of the uh, bouncers, a uh, limo driver, and of course, police officers who were on the scene. This is all scheduled to go on for another three weeks. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that, Grace Key, reporting in Vancouver. The Joint Rescue Coordination Center confirms today it's narrowing the search for a missing airplane. The small private aircraft with two people aboard was en route from Edmonton to Chilliwack when it disappeared Friday afternoon. Bad weather has made it difficult, but crews have now managed to narrow the search to the Blue River area south of Vailmount after picking up a cell phone ping nearby. Very, very hilly, mountainous. These indicate the, the terrain here. I mean, there's 12,000 feet here uh, in and around this area. There's another 11,900 to 12,000 feet. And in and around the entire area through here, it seems to be, average would be about eight to 10,000 feet for the tops. And then of course your valley floors in between. So very, very mountainous and uh, pretty rough, rough territory. The search remains active and the forecast is expected to improve tomorrow. 
With the civic election fast approaching, one of the hot button issues developing involves the province's sexual orientation and gender identity resource for schools, also known as SOGI. Several anti-SOGI activists are running for school board positions. Tanya Beja has more on the controversy and why one candidate has made it the central issue of her platform. What they tried to silence me and many people in this room with is being a bigot and a hater. Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson doesn't shy away from controversy. I heard that they were going to be promoting transgenderism. The Christian blogger, author and former talk show host is running for Burnaby School Board with one main message. We need to celebrate kids being male and female. That is a wonderful thing. We don't need this confusion. Thompson is taking aim at the sexual orientation and gender identity policy known as SOGI and some of the optional support resources used in classrooms around the province. This is a terrible book to read to kindergartners. What SOGI is about is sexual indoctrination of transgenderism and the LGBTQ ideology. That is what is not acceptable. SOGI doesn't teach straight children to turn gay and it doesn't teach children to change their genders or, or anything like that. It simply supports kids who are already trans, who are already gay, because that's how they're actually born. Brad Dirks is the parent of a transgender child. He says recent anti-SOGI campaigns by candidates in several districts, including Chilliwack and Richmond, are making LGBTQ students feel unwelcome. All these kids are basically feeling shamed back into the closet and they don't, I don't think they would feel safe to be who they are at school. The province requires every school district to include sexual orientation and gender identity in anti-bullying policies. Schools can be pretty awful spaces for students who are gay or lesbian. Being transgender, that's even harder. So we have a long way to go, but this is some coordinated effort, finally, to do better in this regard. As for Thompson, she doesn't live in Burnaby or have children in Burnaby schools. I'm going to let the voters decide whether they want a sideshow distraction that is seeking to uh, polarize and divide our school communities at a time when we are bringing people together in a way that we haven't seen in previous years, or whether they reject that. I believe they'll reject that. Tanya Beja, Global News. Cleanup is still underway in parts of Maple Ridge, where damaging hail and flash flooding last week took many by surprise. Some of those hardest hit live at a local tent city where the storm was incredibly destructive. About 100 or so people live at that camp called Anita Place. Tonight they're still waiting for help after losing what little they had. And some feel they're being treated differently when it comes to the emergency response. And the resources that we've been given are little to none. It's been like almost, um, I kind of want to say slap in the face. It's disrespectful. They've given us absolutely nothing and they have the resources to do more and they're not. BC Housing says it's providing new tents and sleeping bags as required. The 55-unit supportive housing project at Royal Crescent is slated to be opened by mid-October. A renewed effort to save Vancouver's Chinatown. Today, the province and city are calling on UNESCO to honour the area as an historic neighbourhood. Ted Trinecki has more on the designation and what it would mean for the community. It's been well documented that the early Chinese settlers in B.C. had it rough and only this year did the city of Vancouver formally apologize for all the wrong that was done. Today, another step towards enshrining a key part of B.C.'s history. 
will be working with those in this room and others across British Columbia to establish a Chinese-Canadian museum here that will reflect the great contribution and the power of the Chinese community, not just in our past, not just today, but in the future that lays ahead for all of us. The city and province want to take the recognition further by applying to the United Nations to have Vancouver's Chinatown registered as an official heritage site. The UNESCO uh, World Heritage designation would be a, a, a big step for Chinatown to achieve. We're working together with the community and the province now to go after that UNESCO designation, and I, I think it'll bring more tourism, uh, more support, and hopefully more funding, particularly from the federal government. Bill Yi was Vancouver's first Canadian-Chinese councillor, elected in 1982. A hundred years earlier, Chinese were disqualified from voting, prohibited from becoming a doctor, lawyer, or banker, among other professions, and they could not own property. This joint efforts of the city and the province is, to, uh, is a very effective and meaningful step of reconciliation. The UNESCO website acknowledges that its list of world heritage sites is too focused on European locations. In the last 20 years or so, it's been focusing instead on places in the world, quote, considered to be of outstanding value to humanity. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Right now, though, a warning for anyone who collects Air Miles reward points. Air Miles might have cancelled its controversi controversial expiry policy, but you could still lose your points. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, is here with one woman's very frustrating battle, Anne. Very frustrating. And a good reminder, you always have to read the terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. Thanks to both of you. Reward programs continue to be popular with consumers, but in some cases, if your account is inactive, all of those hard-earned points could be lost. So that was the case for a Grand Forks woman. After several unsuccessful attempts to get her points back, she turned to Consumer Matters for help. It was quite painful when I found out that, uh, or when they told me that I wouldn't be able to use them. And no wonder, after Glynis Anderson's Air Miles account went dormant for 24 consecutive months, she lost over 21,000 Air Miles valued at over $2,100. I knew that it had been inactive, but I was under the impression that Air Miles didn't expire. Glynis says she never received a formal letter in the mail. An email was sent, but Glynis says, unbeknownst to her, the emails were automatically going into another folder. She also says she had spent considerable time dealing with some family misfortune, all of which she says contributed to her Air Miles inactivity. After a lengthy discussion with an Air Miles representative explaining her situation, Glynis says she was offered $100 worth of points back. I found that to be quite insulting. Glynis reached out to Consumer Matters for help. Air Miles responded with a statement reminding us of its terms and conditions. Shortly after, Glennis says she reached out again to Air Miles and was offered 10,000 Air Miles back. I thought that that was probably the best I could get at that point. But Consumer Matters reached out again on behalf of Glennis and received the following response. After speaking with the collector multiple times and learning of her extenuating circumstances, Air Miles has provided the collector with 21,069 miles as a gesture of goodwill. We would like to remind collectors that after a period of 24 consecutive months of account inactivity, which means the collector does not get or use miles, an Air Miles account becomes dormant and the miles are removed from the account. I'm very grateful that Global News had worked so hard in getting the Air Miles back for me. When it comes to reward programs, it's important to look at the expiry and inactivity rules. Any loyalty program points or miles, as you call them, can be worth it. Um, as long as you kind of research and educate yourself on a program, 
uh, and make sure you're earning them and using them. As for Glennis, she plans to use her points to visit her family at Christmas. And one more note here, Air Miles also told Consumer Matters, collectors are notified in advance of their account entering dormancy and are encouraged to use their card to keep their account active. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. An unreal scene this summer for wildfire crews in Vanderhoof. A fire tornado sucking up and melting their hose while they were trying to battle the flames. The firefighter who posted the video yesterday says this was definitely a first. Never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little school making a big impact on some very special children, and the wait list to get in keeps growing. The students are all on the autism spectrum. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, too many are being turned away, and parents and teachers say something has to change. Okay, you hear the beep, buddy? All right. At PALS Autism School, even the smallest of rooms are used for teaching. This is what we do. We suck in our tummies and let everyone by. 18 kids and a staff of 21 fill just about every corner of this cramped space in East Vancouver. This is what we know and this is what we have, so we make it work because... Uh, it's our only option at this point. You did oh, so well. For 10 years, PALS instructors have taught kids aged 5 through 18 with varying abilities. Nine-year-old Walter came here after struggling in the mainstream school system. It just made me feel alone because I didn't have too, much, too many friends. Yeah. I, sometimes, I sometimes felt left out when they were playing games. And in my, in, my, in my first school when I was in kindergarten, I was bullied a lot. It's just a lot of stress off of him, I think, um, to try and fit in or to be a certain way. And here he can just be who he is with, um, with people that accept him for who he is. Started by two parents, PALS is the only year-round school of its kind in B.C., Partially funded by the province and by parents, the school must also raise $13,000 for every child. We are at capacity in this facility and we have over 40 families uh, who are waiting for the next spot. In March, PALS moves to this building in New Westminster, providing much-needed space. Even so, that won't change the wait list. I just don't know what it's going to take to open up the eyes of the government to understand that not everybody needs to be in a cookie cutter school or, or, you know, or can necessarily fit in that type of school environment. It's, I think it's a crisis. For the kids fortunate enough to come here. So Walter, how do you like going to school here? It's really good. Bye, last one. Good for kids and their families. Pals providing desperately needed help for children living with autism. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Nice that Walter found some. F this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to Shopify.com/system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Friends. Terrified onlookers watch as a tornado obliterates a building in Richmond, Virginia. At least one person was killed. 
after multiple tornadoes struck central Virginia, ripping the roof off of one business and tearing homes apart. The deadly twister outbreak moving up the East Coast, where some six million are under tornado watches from Virginia to Maryland, including Washington, D.C. Well, the Carolinas are still in chaos tonight with flood water rising. Four days after Hurricane Florence slammed into the coast, the storm is now a tropical depression, but it is still dumping rain in many areas, washing out roads and shutting down highways. More than 2,600 people either rescued or forced out while thousands are rushing to escape. Close to half a million are still without power. At least 24 people are dead, including a one-year-old swept from his mother's arms. And Typhoon Manku barreling into southern China. Nearly two and a half million people forced out of Guangdong province as Manku made landfall. The world's strongest storm so far this year lashed Hong Kong with fierce winds that tore off roofs and toppled trees. The Philippines is still the worst hit with dozens dead and more than 250,000 people affected. About half of them seeking shelter in evacuation centers in the north. And back to the U.S. now, where President Trump is breaking his silence today on a newly surfaced sex assault allegation against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh denies a California college professor's claim that he sexually assaulted her when they were both teens, but she is willing to testify before Congress. Tonight, President Trump is standing by Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Judge Kavanaugh is one of the finest people that I've ever known. Kavanaugh faces an allegation of sexually assaulting a teenage girl more than three decades ago at a high school party. He denies the accusation and according to the White House says he was never at the party in question. He's an outstanding intellect, an outstanding judge, respected by everybody. Never had even a little blemish on his record. The accuser, 51-year-old Christine Blasey Ford, a professor in California, tells the Washington Post a 17-year-old Kavanaugh was stumbling drunk at a Maryland house party in the 1980s when he allegedly pinned her to a bed and groped her, while another teenage boy watched. I thought he might inadvertently kill me, Ford told the Post. Her lawyer on today said Ford is willing to testify publicly. Does she consider this an attempted rape? She does. Um, she clearly considers this an attempted rape. Kavanaugh says he's also willing to testify, adding this is a completely false allegation. I have never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or to anyone. Because this never happened, I had no idea who was making this accusation until she identified herself yesterday. In damage control, Kavanaugh spent hours at the White House today, calling lawmakers personally. I think uh, this woman, whoever she is, is mixed up. Senator Orrin Hatch says Kavanaugh told him he was never at the party. And while no one has corroborated that claim, the alleged third person in the room, Mark Judge, a Kavanaugh classmate, has called the accusations nuts. Still, he may have undercut that message by writing a 1997 memoir called Wasted Tales of a Gen X Drunk about their days at prep school filled with heavy partying and drinking. Tonight, Democrats and several top Republicans say they won't be satisfied until they hear from from Kavanaugh and Ford in a public hearing. If Judge Kavanaugh has lied about what happened, that would be disqualifying. As for the president, he says he wants a thorough process. You have to go through this. If it takes a little delay, it'll take a little delay. Panic at a circus in Pittsburgh. <laughs> 
A frightened camel goes out of control. Performers were giving camel rides during intermission when a child threw a shovel at the animal's feet and spooked it. Six children and one adult were hurt before they managed to calm the animal down. Luckily, none of the injuries was serious. In Health Matters tonight, the B.C. government announcing it's going ahead with a multi-million dollar tower for Lionsgate Hospital. The new six-story acute care tower will have 108 beds, eight new operating rooms, and a medical device reprocessing department. The $166 million price tag will be covered through Vancouver Coastal Health and the Lionsgate Hospital Foundation. There will be, they say, an emphasis on single patient rooms. They're all going to be single patient rooms, which is important, of course, for privacy and infection control. The old acute tower, which opened in 1961, is outdated and no longer meets patient needs. The new building will meet seismic standards and could open by the spring of 2023. Now, a surprising new Canadian study that might have you thinking twice before reaching for that disinfectant spray. Alberta researchers say household cleaners appear to be a factor in childhood obesity. Global's Fletcher Kent explains the connection. At 11 months old, Emma has figured out her hands and has given mom Laura something else to think about. She's at a stage now where she's uh, touching everything, putting everything in her mouth, which is how they explore. And so um, the first thing that goes to my mind is kind of, oh, how clean is this? A new study suggests how some parents keep things clean may not help their children. It focuses on antibacterial cleaners. So use a disinfectant um, to uh, kill germs, right? and then that's what, and that, that's what they do. But killing all bacteria can mean problems. The study, published Monday in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, followed nearly 3,500 parents and children up to age 5 and found families who used disinfectant cleaners at least once a week had children with unusual gut bacteria, specifically a higher concentration of lactospiriaceae. And we show statistically then that this higher amount of lactospiriaceae uh, was likely responsible uh, for the development of overweight. The study suggests these higher levels doubled the chance of severe obesity by age three. Well, I would say one uh, recommendation would be related to the frequency of disinfectant use, uh, that this uh, association was observed at the high end of use. It's a linkage that surprised Laura Mummy. She says she wants to look more at the findings but she's also a little relieved. She trusted her gut with her cleaning materials. Just soap and hot water or um, vinegar. I don't tend to use any harsh chemicals in my home, but it wasn't for the purpose of obesity. Fletcher Kent, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Scientists recently found as many as 9,000 particles of microplastics in a single cubic meter of seawater in coastal B.C. Now, in an effort to stop the flow of waste into our waters, the feds are partnering with Canadian organizations to help teach kids about the dangers of plastic garbage. Linda Aylesworth reports. Marine life is fascinating. Can you see these guys now? Down there, yeah. Can you see the sea stars again? To know it is to love it. Should we take an urchin out to meet it? Sure. I love urchins. They're so cute. When kids get connected with nature and they foster that love and curiosity and excitement, then they start caring about it and they want to do something to protect it. Do you see all those little suction cup feet under there? Yep. Yeah. 
Here at the Vancouver Aquarium and at venues across the country, the launch of a program to teach children about one of the ocean's greatest foes, plastic pollution. We all play a role. Even people who live far, far away from the oceans, if they litter or they, use, or they try throwing away plastic and it doesn't end up on the ground, it gets blown into the rivers, all of that ends up down in our oceans. And so marine biologist Elaine Leung created the Marine Plastic Education Kit. The materials we've created just really enable and empower teachers across Canada to teach about plastic pollution, even if they have no expertise in the matter. Created in partnership with organizations like OceanWise, 10,000 Canadian schools will have access to the kit online. The goal is really to create behavioral change in our students, in our teachers, and empower them to take action. When I go to restaurants, I always ask for no straws. So I'm hoping it's just going to be really easy to download from the website, grab, bring into their classrooms, and get started on it with even today. Because getting the next generation excited about the oceans and the creatures that call it home is an all-important first step to saving it. I guess it turned into a crab. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Cute. Uh, and so is this. Five baby squirrels in a tangled mess and the rescue effort to free them from each other coming up right after the forecast. We'll explain it all. It looks yes. a little weird right now. but yes. All right, uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon, we've been talking about crazy weather all over the world. We had some pretty crazy weather, not, of course, you know, hurricane level. In comparison, but, yeah. But, but, you know, crazy for us. Yeah, absolutely. Our weekend was incredibly stormy. It started on Friday night. We had the flooding in the Maple Ridge area. Uh, intense rain on and off through the weekend and hail as well as lightning. And we have just had a video uh, sent in to us exclusive to uh, Global News and and it is a possible weak tornado. So our uh, meteorologist, Peter Quinlan, uh, has been on the phone with Environment Canada all day. It's hard to see, but there's rotation in this cloud cover. And that rotation extends all the way down to the tops of the treetops. And they have confirmed that the atmospheric conditions were such that a tornado was possible. There certainly was rotation. Wind gusts in that area up to 70 kilometers an hour. But they need to go out and do a damage survey. There are reports of people, actually the woman who took this video, that they heard trees cracking and that they believe trees were falling, but they're going to get out there and check that and then confirm whether we saw a tornado. If you're wondering, we do get tornadoes in this area. The last one happened in the Vancouver area in 1988, and the one before that in Vancouver was in 1962. So this potentially would be the third one for the lower mainland on record. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Again, possible weak tornado in the Mission area, and that was over the Hayward Lake Reservoir. Meanwhile, today, absolutely beautiful. We have five days left of summer, everyone. Get out there and enjoy it because we have another one on the way for us tomorrow. George sent me this, though, in Williams Lake. The colors of the trees are already starting to change. And yes, we are headed for fall. So Saturday in the evening, 6.54 p.m., we officially change over to fall. We're losing three and a half minutes of daylight every day, and I know you feel it. Now, today we are going to 
see uh, clear skies continue overnight. We may see a little bit of fog develop through the morning period and overnight. Uh, but tomorrow evening, this system pushes onshore. Most of the province sunshine again. But we will start to see that system drop down towards us on Wednesday, bringing in a chance of showers back to our region. More likely later in the day on Wednesday, but certainly increasing clouds. So in the meantime, the rain mainly along the north and central coast. Further inland, beautiful conditions. In fact, the interior regions, you really have three more days. Your transition day isn't until Thursday, whereas our transition day will be Wednesday. Tuesday looking nice. We will be mostly dry Wednesday. That chance of showers is much later, but unsettled through the latter part of the week and certainly staying below seasonal for this time of year. And I'll leave you with a spectacular shot from Alexis. This is Mount Hosmer, which is Hosmer is just uh, between Fernie and Sparwood. So thanks to Alexis for that. Lovely scene. Thank you, Christy. Good one. Okay, now to that tangled tale from Wisconsin. Actually, a series of tangled tales. <laughs> Veterinarians had a challenge on their hands rescuing five baby squirrels. Now, the siblings somehow got their tails entangled with grass and strips of plastic that their mother had used as a nest. Uh, luckily, uh, someone found them and called the Humane Society. After calming the squirrels with an anesthetic, it took veterinarians about 20 minutes to snip away at the grassy, furry knot and finally free them. They're all recovering well, but they're being kept for observation for a few days to make sure these guys are okay. It's never fun to share a bed with your siblings. Really <laughs> Especially when you have big tails. Yeah. You know, I, but when I first saw that picture, I couldn't really see what was going on with the tails. I just thought it was some sort of like freak of nature. Right. <laughs> like they were uh, they were all born Siamese. together with, through their tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, starfish squirrels. Starfish squirrels. <laughs> all right, Squires here. Size matters to the Canucks. That's what I hear. Uh, although they, you know, this this is the era of the smaller hockey player. Like, if you see Elias mm -hmm. Pettersson, his shoulders kind of look like this guy's right here. <laughs> Although I would not profess to say I could play for the Canucks. Uh, this year, the Canucks would obviously like to be better, but bigger would be good as well. The aforementioned Elias Pettersson, they would like him to get bigger. Jonathan Dahlin, he still needs some weight, and he may have to play in Utica until he gets some more size. But even the young stars that were here last year, have gotten bigger. Brock Besser is now hovering near 200 pounds. Yeah, my weight's, weight's up like eight or eight to 10 pounds. So, um, I don't know, I think I just maybe hit another growth spurt and um, I, don't, I don't feel that much different. Uh, just a little heavier out there. Uh, it's gonna be tougher for guys out, uh, out, out muscle me off the puck. And, you know, I feel stronger out there when I'm uh, muscling some of the older guys off. All right, scrimmage for the younger guys. Elias Pedersen up there in Whistler. Uh, Lucas Jasek, he was very good in a short stint in Utica last season. Seven points in six games, gets a goal there for the white side. Uh, Nikolai Godolbin played very well. But as I said, remember, they're scoring against Canucks. So keep that in mind. Eight goals for the Canucks last season in 38. If you got a penalty in this game, it was a penalty shot, but guys can chase you in the penalty shot. Not very hard, but they do chase you. Uh, gold open with another goal. And Jonathan Dahlin, I like this power move here. I kind of wish the Canucks would start him in Vancouver. He keeps this kind of play up in the uh, training camp and in the exhibition games. But I think uh, he'll be starting in Utica. Okay, despite wanting to go younger, I don't think you're going to see many kids who we haven't seen before start this season. Pedersen will be here for sure. 
Godolbin has a chance, so does Adam Gaudet. As I just said, Darlene, Ole Olevi, Ole Olevi make that. I don't think they're going to start in Vancouver. But the man who makes all those decisions, that guy right there, was talking to Jay today. Well, your second training camp officially winding down here in Whistler today. What stands out for you? Chatting with the guys, it's been a very competitive uh, camp. A lot of skating, a lot of fitness, uh, a lot of competitiveness. What stood out for you as a coach? Well, I like the way our guys have come in. Um, I think they were they were well aware of what the expectations were from last year's camp and, and at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, almost to a man, every player has come back in better shape than he, than he had been in last season. And it's been a hard camp. But uh, it's been good. You want to push your guys early because you don't get as much practice time as camp goes on with all the exhibition games. And uh, But they're ready to play games now, and we're looking forward to it. We're going to talk about the preseason schedule in a second, but when you look at the amount of jobs that guys want to compete for here and, and the amount of young players that you have here, have you sensed that? I have. Uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of days where I, I figured one of the days there would be a letdown with our group, but uh, pretty well to a man, guys are pushing through. Uh, they're tired, but they're pushing, and that's what you want to see out of your group. Uh, and we've talked about it. There is good com- competition this year, especially at the forward group. There's there's lots of bodies battling for jobs, and uh, you know I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing them in game action here this week. All right, you're going to play seven exhibition games in the span of 11 nights. You're going to play four and five beginning tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, road plan as a coach, how you want to use your squad? I want to see as many bodies as I can, but we also have some tough decisions to make. And, and you know when you're sitting there with 9, 10, 11 defensemen that you want to see in game action or 17, 18, up to 20 forwards into game action. It's, uh, it's not easy. We've mapped, we have a bit of a roadmap for the first three. Um, you know, we've got a game against Calgary where their big team is mainly in China a lot like we were. So that game will, will take an opportunity to play more of our younger players uh, or first, second, third year pros to see where they're at against Calgary. And, uh, yeah, but it's it's going to be good to see these guys in game action, and we, and it's not just going to be young guys playing. I want to see how our our older guys have come back and how they look as well, because there's there's a battle in camp right now. Thanks for taking the time, uh, and hopefully everyone stays healthy and maybe playoff hockey come April. Yeah, thanks. Did he did he just laugh when Jay said playoff hockey in April? Uh, okay, so uh, three straight at home uh, X Games: Edmonton, Calgary, LA, and then the Canucks will go to uh, Calgary for a exhibition game on Saturday. From Travis Green to Travis Lule, he'll see the Lions doctors tomorrow to check on his injured left shoulder suffered once again against Montreal. Some Alouettes fan must have a Lule voodoo doll. I swear. Uh, the initial thought is four to six weeks, meaning he won't be back until at least the final few games of the regular season. Three road games. Seahawks, Bears, Monday Night Football. Mitchell Trubinsky, oh, he's tricky. No, it's not a handoff. It's a shovel pass to Trey Burton. Touchdown. I know. What the is right. Here's a what the. Five times Russell Wilson was sacked in the first half. He was sacked six times last week against Denver. Five in the first half against Chicago. But I will say this, I like the looks of Shaquille Griffin. Two interceptions in the second quarter for the second-year cornerback with the Seahawks. And that is, well, those kind of hands and that kind of diving ability. Maybe he should be a wide receiver. Uh, 10-3, Chicago at halftime. Coming up on ET Canada, we preview the Canadians competing in tonight's primetime Emmys, plus baby news and all-star collaborations from Jason Aldean. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Sangita. North Vancouver's Mount Fromm is a mecca for mountain bikers from across North America. It recently reached its peak with the addition 
of an adaptive mountain biking trail. And the trailblazing efforts to include everyone will soon extend to Mount Seymour, where an all-access trail loop is in the works. Aaron MacArthur reports. Keeping the most used mountain bike trail in the world in top shape is a full-time job. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Bobsled on Mount Fromm sees thousands of riders every week, including people on bikes not usually seen on the North Shore. This is the only dedicated adaptive mountain bike trail. Three-wheel bikes are a little bit different than a two-wheel bike where they, they tip over differently um, and, and uh, just corner and everything differently as well, and they're longer. The North Shore Mountain Bike Association trying to get more people on adaptive bikes. A construction project set to begin as part of the Trails for All program. Three trails on Mount Seymour will be regraded and widened, all made into a totally accessible loop. It's just part one of our phases of looking into um, other ways that we can start to think about other people in our community who um, maybe don't feel comfortable or haven't felt comfortable riding a bike. If it's done right, able-bodied riders won't notice the difference. Bobsled is wider, with features that are more accommodating for three wheels. But by making trails more accessible, more newcomers to the sport can find a place to ride as well. It's awesome for us. I mean, it's something that I've been um, very passionate about is I have two kids at home and um, not just for the AMTBs, but for the beginner riders and, and the kids getting out there and having this loop. The Mount Seymour Trails being funded through a mix of government grants, private sponsorship and donations from the general public. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. It looks like fun. Awesome. It looks like fun. A lot of hard work by those guys before the fun, though, with wheelbarrows and shovels mm -hmm. and you name it. Uh, what a beautiful day out there for a lot of folks. Yeah, so uh, because of the clear skies, we'll cool down quite a bit tonight. I say 7 degrees in some areas, 7 to 9 is our overnight low. Expect some fog in the morning, but otherwise another great day tomorrow. And it sort of could be the last of the summer-like uh, days because then we're in for more fall-like weather. Wednesday's our transition day, waking up to sunshine and then cloud and showers probably later on. Is it wimpy of me that I turned on the gas fireplace this weekend? No, it's not at all. Oh, we did that too. Okay. Sweaters and boots. Sweaters okay. and boots. It's I feel like yeah. we're all in this together. It's okay. You got it. Thanks very much for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Group hug will warm up. <laughs> <laughs> okay.